Good morning. I'm Scott, if you're visiting. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Today, we get to finish the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament. And we're going to say what we have been saying all summer long, and it's this. Your past does not have to determine your future. That's the message of the prophets of Isaiah, of Jeremiah, and Ezekiel today. Your past doesn't have to determine your future. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, your past is in the past. It does not have to determine your future. You can change. Now take me to breakfast when the service is over, and we'll talk more about it. Your past doesn't have to determine your future. And in Ezekiel, there's this, there's this challenge that, uh, that, is, that is incumbent on someone God is going to help bring a new future to a family. There's, there's a challenge that's incumbent on someone, an employee, that God's going to use bring, to bring hope to fellow employees. There's a, there's a, a, a challenge to um, a community member who wants to bring hope to his community, and it's the challenge of Ezekiel. Here it is. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. This idea of a gap is a breach in a wall, a hole in the wall where, uh, where um, invaders could enter, like the city of Jerusalem where they could enter, or like Jericho where it could be uh, overcome. And so God expected his people to watch the holes in the wall, to, to stand in the gap and to protect people, to keep, in the case of Jerusalem, keep Jerusalem safe. And if you think about it, there's, there's often opportunities for us to help stand in the gap for others. How many of you have not had an opportunity, for example, to um, reach out to a family member that's struggling with an addiction? Or had an opportunity to help a family mem- member that's struggling with mental illness? Those are real life holes sometimes, are they not? Or someone who's struggling financially, or struggling with depression, or, 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 so, or just to tell someone they got a booger in their nose. It's hard to stand in the gap sometimes, right? It's awkward. It's awkward. It's a lot easier if someone's just, if the light's green and they're not going, that's easy. You just honk. Sometimes. Sometimes you don't want to be mean. But then when someone's really mean to you, you start honking, right? Maybe. Maybe not. But standing in the gap isn't easy. And yet, we live in a culture that gets what it takes to stand in the gap. We understand we live in a culture where it takes an Avenger to step in. Adventure Endgames, anybody see it? All right, great movie. Set aside a half day to see it. Uh, but these Avengers get together and they defend the, the planet. They do a bunch of stuff and they fight and they do it. And they, I don't want to spoil the film for you. But we live in a culture where it's cool to, to stand in the gap and help others. <clears throat> we, but but you got to do it in a way that's gentle. You, you can't be like you see this and you're like, yeah, let's go do it. You, you can't, especially in Northern California, you got to kind of chill, right? You got to have kind of a Marie Kondo approach. You got to be, let's get some volume on that. You got to have this kind of gentleness about stuff in order. We had a downsize from a four-story house to a two-bedroom apartment. They got junk in their home. I don't know that I have everything it takes to get rid of his belongings. That's who you need. Hello, I'm Maria Kondo. My mission is 
片付けによって世界をときめかせていくことですめっちゃスタイリング This girl's no joke This is amazing We have too much stuff It's official It's so hard to let it go I don't want to just, you know, dump it I want to be thoughtful about it Choose items that spark joy for you. Spark joy. It's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. We're on board. We want to change. I just want it to be strong enough to change me. I can let it go. Arigato. I am going to figure out what sparks joy in my life. I can't believe you can touch the carpet. <laughs> new day, new joy. Thank you for being here for us and wanting to help us. I hope you know how much this means to me. Here we go. So I'm not, I'm not asking you to go home and clean out your closets today, but if it applies, consider it. But I'm saying that when it comes to standing in the gap for people, it takes a Marie Kondo approach. It takes a gentleness. Are you with me? It's, you, you can't be pushy, right? People don't want to know their house is a mess, do they? Oh, maybe, well, invite, I'll have to have you over. Uh, people, people want a gentleness about you. They want, they want to be, they want to ask you questions. They don't want you poking them or telling them what to do or judging them, right? So if you're going to stand in the gap for people, there's a required empathy. There's a required other-centeredness. There's a required feeling for others. Love is what the New Testament calls it. Why is standing at the gap so important? What's, what's the why behind all this? Let me give you a few whys. The first why is that Jesus wants all of us to grow in Christ's likeness. And we need each other to do that. His goal for us is that we mature into the likeness of Jesus Christ, that we grow in character, and that we grow in His likeness for the rest of our life. Make sense? We don't do that alone, do we? That happens in groups. That's why we say, circle up or die. Join a group or die. This fall, jump in. Secondly, the why behind standing in the gap is this. We live in a community that needs to see unity. We need to stand in the gap for our community and show them that all our churches can work together. That's what we're doing this week. We have VBS all week long. Vacation Bible School, all week long. That's a way we stand in the gap and we show our community that we work together. We can serve together. That's some of the why of standing in the gap. We need to stand in the gap because lives are at stake. We have friends and family members that are going through super hard times. And we need to generate the Marie Kondo EQ other-centeredness, emotional intelligence to sit down with them and have a tough moment sometimes with them, right? We need to be willing to do that. If we don't, what, what we're going to learn today is the truth is we, don't, we, we have some responsibility for that. Accountable. We're actually accountable for not protecting people. And then lastly, the, what's the real why of our standing in the gap? Here's the real why. It's taught by the Apostle Paul who said this, and everything Paul said, Jesus said. Keep in mind, Paul didn't say anything that Jesus didn't tell him to say. Always very important to remember that when you're interpreting Paul's letters. They're, they're Jesus' words. Here's what Paul said. At Athens, he said this. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. That's us. And it begins in the house of God. It begins with the church. 
For he has set a day when he will judge the world. Who's the judge, by the way? Anybody know? It's Jesus. With justice, by the man, he has appointed. That's Jesus. He's going to be the judge someday. How has he earned the right to judge? Here it is. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. The evidence for putting your full trust in Jesus is the resurrection. The why of why we would stand in the gap for our friends is because they're all going to be there, just like we are. We're all going to be there. The scripture says, first comes death, then comes judgment, where every person will stand before the living God. We want to get ready. I want you to be ready. I want to be ready. Ah! And so there's, there's a real why behind standing in the gap for people. It's because they're going to face him. And I want them to be received without judgment someday. Did you know that those who believed in Christ will not be judged when we stand before him? It's all love. That's what I want. That's what I want for my friends. I don't want any of my friends or family or neighbors to experience judgment. I want them to trust that the judgment of God was poured out on the cross so that it won't be poured out on us. Does that make sense? And so there's a lot at stake when it comes to standing in the gap. There's a reason to stand in the gap for all of us. There's, there's a necessity of us showing great compassion and mercy in our community because that is the hands and feet of Jesus. So, so there's great reason for standing in the gap. And out of the ruins of Jerusalem during this second deportation, this is the, the first deportation of the northern tribes was to, does anyone remember, to up north, where was it? For $500, for Assyria. And then the second deportation of the southern kingdom went to Babylon. And Ezekiel came out of those ashes and became a preacher for 22 years during the exile to Babylon. And he shares the promise and the new hope. And this is an outline that I think is in your, on your, uh, a, an outline of the book that I think is in your um, programs. Ezekiel's call, chapters 1 through 3. Jerusalem's fall, chapters 4 through 24. And then the nations are judged, chapters 25 through 32. The restoration of God's people, chapters 33 through 48. God always has a plan to bring hope. Always has a plan to bring hope. Not just for Israel, but for all of his children like you. You're his children by faith. So last week, Zach shared with us that we need to play great defense. That's how we, that's how we follow God. We trust our coach and we get into the game. Zach spoke to this and he talked about the urgency of us standing in the gap. And I told Zach, Zach, someday, 25 years from now, you'll know how much I appreciate you. I am so grateful for you. And I'm also so grateful for adventurers who are praying for his children who aren't due till weeks, weeks in the future, but they could come any day. So it's been a very fragile pregnancy. Thank you for praying for them. I encourage you to pray every day for them um, because they've got twins coming. It's, it's a lot. So anyways, love that boy. Let him know if you haven't. You're just, we're thrilled to have him here and serve with him. <clears throat> this is, what, this is what, the, what is going on with in Ezekiel's day. Here it is. Are you ready? To look at the text? You ready to learn? 
Here's, here's, here's what you're going to learn today. How do we stand in the gap? How do we stand in the gap for our families, for our brothers and sisters, for our community, for our city, for our neighbors? That's what you're going to hear today. Again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, say to the land, you are a land that has not been cleansed or rained on in the day of wrath. There is a conspiracy of her princes within her like a roaring lion tearing its prey. Notice God's uh, use of, uh, creative use of animals here. They devour people, take treasures and precious things and make many widows within her. The leaders were taking advantage of people. Her priests do violence to my law and profane my holy things. They do not distinguish between the holy and the common. There, there was no, that which was evil was considered good. That which was good was considered evil. They teach that there is no difference between the unclean and the clean. And they shut their eyes to the keeping of my Sabbaths so that I am profane among them. May God help us be a loving church, but a church also that teaches the truth with love. Her officials within her are like wolves tearing their prey. This, this is all from God's creative communication here. They shed blood and kill people to make unjust gain. Her prophets whitewash these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. They say, they lie. They say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When the Lord has not spoken. You know how scary that would be to tell someone God spoke to you and share it and he didn't? Uh, you, don't want, you, you don't want that. The people of the land practice extortion and they commit robbery. They oppress the poor and the needy and mistreat the foreigner, denying them justice. Hmm. That'll speak, won't it? I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. Here's the question. Zach brought us to the urgency of, of standing in the gap. Today we're going to answer the, the how question. How do we stand in the gap? Let me add one more why to standing in the gap. Let me add, can I add one more why to standing in the gap? Here it is. Here it is. Our church family and our community is without family. We have people that are suffering a variety of issues that don't have brothers and sisters and moms and dads that will unconditionally love them. That's our job. We are the mothers and brothers and sisters and fathers and grandparents who can love right here at Adventure and who can love in our community. There's a need for family, a deep need for family. You have a need to be considered a brother, a sister, a person of value. And we have a need to provide that for you. That's what it means to stand in the gap. How do we do it? How do we do it? Number one, it's lordship. It begins with lordship. And lordship is this idea, hey, that I don't, just, I don't just believe that Jesus resurrected. I believe he sits at the right hand of God, and he asked me to fully obey him. He wa- and he gives me the ability to do that too, because sometimes I don't want to obey him. He gives me the grace to do that. And Ezekiel says, your prophets... Israel are like jackals among the ruins. Jackals are like foxes. They have not gone to the breaches to the wall to repair it for the people of Israel so that it will stand firm in the battle of the Lord. So what's happening is that 
Israel's leaders are not showing any care for breaches in the wall. They're not showing any concern for what's happening in Jerusalem. They're being completely withdrawn and disconnected. Now here's the idea. When there are breaches in the wall, when there are issues in the community or in the city, God always wants to start by asking his community, his people, to repent. Repentance actually begins with not Natomas, not Sacramento. Repentance begins with adventure. God's judgment actually comes first to his people. Did you know that? One of the, uh, one of the apostles said judgment begins with the house of God. And it was very similar in Israelites' history. God judged Israel first. Then he judged the nations. He tries to get our attention. And by the way, remember, the, the word judge is kind of harsh. You probably don't. It's, it lacks the Marie Kondo language you want it to have or, or the Marie Kondo um, um, sensitivity. But understand this. Before there can be comfort, there has to be confrontation. There, there just has to be, okay? So that's what happens here is that they're, they're not confronting the people. Uh, they're not confronting their own people. They're being really passive. And I love the Manhattan, retired Manhattan preacher, Manhattan, New York, Tim Keller, who describes his conversations uh, with uh, college students who have been raised in a Christian family and they're no longer attending church anymore. And when he has a conversation with them after services, this is what he says. He just, he's kind of direct. He says, hey, who are you sleeping with? And they're like, what does that have to do with it? What is... What, is, what does that have to do with my faith? Are you with me, by the way? What does that have to do with my faith? And he says, oh, everything. And he says this. He says, willful sin makes the presence of God imperceptible to you. When you willfully sin against the Holy Spirit, you're completely disconnected from the presence of God. It disconnects you. That's why Jesus' brother James said, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He didn't pull back from you. You pulled back from him. Judgment begins with us. We've got to be willing to get the junk out of our lives. Any junk that's in the way. Any junk that's in the way. This is what the author of Hebrews tries to get us to pay attention to. He says this, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. If there's something that gets in your way, that it, it trips you up, you get rid of it, whatever it is. If it's keeping you from having a heart that is submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Does that make sense? You're, you're supposed to be able to say, Jesus is Lord, he is master I am his servant. I do whatever he asks. That's how King David could be described. King David would do whatever God asked. That's why he had a heart after God. Do you have that kind of lordship happening in your life? And let us run with perseverance the race marked for us. And that's what happens when you get rid of that stuff. You can run longer. When you get rid of all the weight, you can persevere and so that's why I asked you during communion, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What are, you, what are you trying to teach me? What is he trying to teach you? What is your junk, right? 
I mean, we know your junk could be pornography because that's like heroin, right? And you just need to stay away from it 100%. And if you can't, tie your body to somebody to keep you from it. We know that uh, food and beverage can have an addictive nature to it on all levels, don't we? It's kind of quiet in here, (laughs) right? Uh, We know that um, self-absorption can be in our way. That, oh, that just means that all you do is think about yourself? Anybody have that challenge ever? Just two of us. Yeah, I did. My wife said, you need to stop thinking about yourself. And I was like, oh, what's that like? <laughs> it changed my life, I'll tell you. This is what it means. This is what it means to practice lordship. You clean up whatever it is. Sometimes for me, lordship, I'm just being real personal here. Ready? I think about getting sports cars all the time. And I thank Jesus for it yesterday that I'm getting sick of it. I want cheap cars. No debt. I want to travel to Paris again. Rather than spend five times that amount on a car. That's just for me. I'm not trying to judge you, okay? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Here's, here's, the, here's where Marie Kondo comes in. For the joy. Set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Here's what we sing sometimes. And this is going back, I think, to the 60s. This is going back to the 60s, boomers. Wake up. Here we go. Here's what we sing. I surrender all. I surrender all. Here's what we mean. I surrender some. Here's what we sing. Oh, how I love Jesus. Here's what we mean. Oh, how I like Jesus. Here's what we sing. Jesus is all the world to me. Here's what we mean. Jesus is quite a bit to me. Here's what we sing. Take my life and let it be. Here's what we mean. Take my life and let me be. Right? Or here's what we sing. Where he leads me, I will follow. Here's what we mean. Where he leads me, I will consider following. Here's what we sing. Just as I am, I come to thee. Here's what we mean. Just as I am, I pretend to be. Thank you. So, here's the first question. First question, as it relates to standing in the gap. What does it take to stand in the gap for God? It begins with lordship. Why? Because here's the deal. When Jesus is Lord of your life, he can't help but ooze compassion and mercy and other-centeredness and relational intelligence and agape, forgiving love through you. When he's Lord, wherever you go, gaps are being filled. It just happens naturally because you have the mind of Christ. He's working through you. How do you do this? Get rid of your junk. If you got junk, get rid of it. And if you're not sure it's junk, ask a friend. And if you don't like their opinion, ask another. And ask someone who will tell you the truth. Don't ask someone who's just easy on you. We all know who they are. Get rid of your junk and stand in the gap. Stand in the gap. And that means love people. First, the first way to, to stand in the gap is lordship. The second is leadership. Leadership's where you take initiative. You don't wait. 
You don't wait for a crisis. You don't wait for trauma. You take initiative because there's an opportunity. You know, a lot of people take initiative because of, of trauma or, or a crisis. That's one type of person. The other type of person takes initiative. This is kind of a Steve Jobs type. They can't take initiative because of an opportunity. Be the person that's, that takes initiative because of an opportunity. Don't be the person that needs a crisis to get you to pursue taking an initiative. Okay? I look for someone among them. Who would build up the wall? The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? That's good. That's an indictment against me. It's an indictment against anyone who's a small group leader. May we take care of the sheep. Bring them close to us and love them, right? Parents, grandparents, all Christians, may we be lovers of people. Even when you don't, I know some of you don't like people. You need to get over it. Because <laughs> Jesus wants you to love people unconditionally. That's the mark of a Christian. So here's how you do it. How do you practice leadership? Number one, you confront sin respectfully. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Here's how I think you do it. Here's how I would do it. I would ask, hey, where are you at with Jesus? What's Jesus saying to you lately? That's the question. And then I, and then I would follow by saying, hey, if... If, if something comes up in particular, what does Jesus have to say about that issue? Jesus speaks through, his, through Paul and John and Luke and Matthew and James and Jude and Philemon in the New Testament. What does he have to say about that issue? That way I'm not the judge. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to move them into lordship. Gentleness. By the way, this takes time. Texts are normally not that effective here. Okay? It's usually face-to-face across the table. Put your, put your smartphone down. Number two, resolve conflict gently. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Gentleness. Thirdly, teach the truth lovingly. We live in a culture, by the way, that says there is no truth. There is none. But they also don't believe Jesus resurrected from the dead. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. If you have someone in your life that you let, speak into your life. I hope so. Fourthly, point out potential dangers convincingly. Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel so that, so hear the word I speak and give them a warning from me. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them for his evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin. And here's the hard part, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. Now, he's speaking very specifically to this prophet, but I would argue that he does have people for whom he will hold us accountable for not giving them a gentle warning. And I think for for dads and moms and grandparents, that's your immediate family. It could be a coworker uh, with whom you've earned trust. It could be a neighbor with whom you've earned trust. And the right to share your story. You have a responsibility to tell them, hey, there's a booger in your nose. It's huge. Can we talk about it? Okay? Don't just leave it there. That's not a friend. 
Where's God looking for leadership? Just a quick little piece here. Some of you might be thinking, oh, he's talking about pastors. No, he's not. He's talking about prophets. That's an evangelist, prophet like myself. He's talking about to priests, like church leaders. He's talking to princes. Those are corporate leaders. He's talking to politicians. Those are government leaders. He's talking to all people. That means all of us. We have a responsibility. There's a reason God has you following his son Jesus here in Northern California. We're 15th in the United States of the least Christian regions. There's, you're here for more than just yourself. You're here to provide, to show leadership to reach others and stand in the gap. What does it take to stand in the gap for God? Leadership. How do you do it? You stand in the gap and you take care of the flock. You take care of people. You take care of sheep. You know what? We say we're good at taking care of sheep, but the truth is we'd much rather get work done, wouldn't we? For example, Jesus' last discourse with Peter, do you remember what happened? Jesus said to Peter, hey, Peter, do you love me? Peter was offended. He's like, what do you mean do I love you? I've been working my tail off for you. He says, if you love me, he says this, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed people. Take care of people. Love people. Sounds real easy, doesn't it? Until it's that person. Oh, I got that one. Oh, really? You loving everyone in your home? How about that neighbor? You got a neighbor that you're like, oh, that one is the exception. Do you have a coworker? Like, oh, I'm not loving that one. How about your boss? You love your boss? You love your boss? <laughs> you love your boss? <laughs> your boss loves you. <laughs> Some of you might be saying, I'm already doing that. Hey, let me challenge you shepherds to a next level. Again, you're a small group leader in the adventure zone. You're a small group, group leader at leading one of our adventure groups. Let me challenge you to the next level. Become a reproducing leader. That's a leader who sees in someone else the ability to lead so that they reproduce themselves up to six times. Become that kind of shepherd. You can do it. Anyone can do that. Become a reproducing leader. So that when God sends you to Texas, did you know a thousand people a day are moving to Texas? Just a fact. Really, from California. That's what hurts. Yeah. So when God moves you to Texas, oh, Jesus. We got, you've reproduced yourself, right? And the quota, if you go to Texas, is 12. You need to reproduce yourself 12 times if you're going to Texas. By the way, these are our middle school kids that went down to Southern California this week. They were at Chapman, Chapman University at a Christ in Youth conference, and I'm so grateful that Brian, you can't really tell it's him, and Andrea, and Pam Jones, is she in the picture? Is that Pam? I don't think she's in there. She's taking it, very smart. She, she went down there with our middle school to shepherd young people. We're preparing future shepherds in our middle school. Thank you to our volunteers that made that happen. And our staff members that filled in for Zach in his absence. So those kids got a great trip. And for Newport Beach Surf, which they enjoyed. We're also celebrating the return of the McComber family that spent, spent a year in Europe taking care of little kids, shepherding. Here's, here's a, here are a few kids they took care of. I like Bible study time because we watch interesting videos of um, Jesus. I've learned a lot more about God. I like to learn about God. I'm not a Christian, 
But still, I like to hear stories about what experience they had in the past. I like I like the Bible time. Like I, I like the part with Moses. In Bible, we uh, read uh, read um, the verse and different languages. And um, sometimes I want to read it. Sometimes I don't. But uh, it's good. I like to hear stories. My favorite one is Esther. Chapel is fun because we um, sing worship and have a lot of fun and dance around and goof. And at the end, it, we listen to stuff about the Bible. I like chapel because they sing and things. And this last week, we we're talking about the I am singers. I like prayer time because I feel like God really answers you. And even though I'm not a Christian, but I still believe in what they believe. What I want like to pray about is like um, people are better, they're not lost, or things like that. I only pray um, when they're, I'm alone, like something like that. I feel praying in class is a good opportunity to connect with God also. And I find it's like if there's a problem, you go to God and he'll solve it for you. So you helped finance the Macomber family that went to Europe and taught at a private school where Muslim families from all over the world brought their kids and they taught them the Bible there. Your generosity made that happen. I'll tell you, your generosity also fully financed one of those middle schoolers from Natomas to go down to camp in Southern California. You're doing great work here. It's super exciting to us. When you get a chance to see the Macombers, give them, give them a, a welcome. So how do you practically, how do you practically exhibit leadership? Here it is. I realize some of you might be thinking, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go, time for breakfast. Don't forget this habit. It's the most important habit of your life. It's prayer. We challenge adventurers every day to give Jesus the first 15 minutes of their day. First 15. I know you're busy. Espressos take about a minute. Coffee takes a solid 10. We want you to give Jesus 15. It could be 11. It could be an hour and a half. But we want you to begin every day with prayer. We want you to pray for your neighbors. We want you to pray for your coworkers. We want you to pray for your loved ones. We're kind of radical about this. Daily. We think God answers prayer. We think it's the most powerful leverage we have on our lives. So we want to challenge you to begin each day with prayer. We want to challenge you to listen to your neighbors and your wives. We want you to be a great listener. Because when you listen is the, is the oxygen people breathe when they feel fully listened to. Thirdly, we want you to eat together. Be with people constantly. I've found most of my strength just being with people, eating with them, having a good time, playing, playing uh, what did I, game did I play this week? Bocce ball. It was a blast. We lost, but it was a blast. Third, fourthly, serve your neighbors. Serve your neighbors. When you get a chance, take it. And then lastly, and who doesn't have a moving van pulling up around their neighbors right now, right? I know when you see the van, you immediately want to shut your door. But go out and help them. Lastly, share your Jesus story when you get a chance. This is how we accessorize practicing, standing in the gap in Natomas and in Sacramento daily. I challenge you to do this daily. And you know what will happen? 
Come, come Christmas, you'll have, you'll have five or ten friends to invite to Christmas Eve. And they'll come. And some of them, for the first time, will believe that Jesus stood in the gap for them. Because you stood in the gap for your friends, neighbors, co-workers, and, and family. Some of you may be f- saying to yourself right now, I'm running on empty. I don't have any energy, Pastor. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Have you heard about this guy? This guy, <clears throat> his name is Ernest Andrus. He's the guy in blue. He has a dream. His dream is to relocate a World War II tanker from the island of Crete to Normandy. He wants to relocate it. This is a fully functioning ship that he wants to relocate from the island of Crete, which is in the Mediterranean, to the coast of France. Some of you are running on empty. You're tired. You're like, I don't have any more energy. It's coming. I'm tired. I just want sleep forever. Okay, it's coming. And he wants to relocate this. He literally wants to move it and fully finance its move. Okay? So what he's doing is he, he ran across the United States already in 2009. And now he's like, I didn't raise enough money. I need to do it again. So he's doing it again. I know you're running on empty. Hang on with me. He's 95. You might not have heard me. 95. He just started running across the United States again. He plans to finish when he's 100. He's a planner. It's 13 miles a day. That's, uh, that was inaccurate, what I just said. It's not 13 a day. It's 13 a week. That's how he's going to get across the U.S., he says of his mother, my mother said when I was eight months, I was always running. I never took up running until I was 61. You might say to yourself, you know what, I don't have the energy to stand in the gap. That's a lie. Yes, you do. You got some junk you need to get rid of. You got some weight you need to get rid of. And by the way, Ernie's not a slight guy. He's a big boy. Looks like he was a nice linebacker. You've got what it takes to stand in the gap for people because Christ lives in you. You're God's child. You have strength, power, love, and self-discipline that is untapped. The key is you've got to quit thinking about yourself and throw your junk away. You like your pastor today? Not everyone re- replied to that question. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land so I wouldn't have to destroy it, but I found no one. What does it take to stand in the gap? Lordship and leadership. Lordship and leadership. Get rid of your junk and stand in the gap. Stand in the gap. Take care of the flock God's entrusted you with. He has entrusted you with a flock. we put that verse up again from Acts 17? Let's just remember what's at stake in life. Acts 17. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day where he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead.
That's the why of why we stand in the gap. We want people to have hope and be ready to see Jesus face to face. Because I tell you, I can't wait for that day. Even though I hope to be 90, it's still coming quick, right? I want everyone ready for that. I want your neighbors, your family members ready for that. I want you ready for that day. How do you get ready for that day? You believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to suffer on that cross, a substitutionary death for you, and it's all hinged on whether or not you believe he resurrected from the dead. That's the evidence. You don't have to believe in a literal creation. You don't have to believe that Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days. You just need to believe God raised his son up from the dead and he died a death for you. If you've never done that, what's holding you back from doing it today? It's not a lack of evidence. It's right here. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, help us know who it is you want for whom you want us to stand in the gap. Who is it? Bring that person to mind right now. Who is it? Show us who it is. Heavenly Father, help us remember it was your son Jesus for the joy set before him who endured the cross, despising the shame, who stood in the gap for us. If you've never made a decision to accept God's son who stood in the gap for you and you want to today, I invite you right from where you're seated to simply just say, Jesus, today's the day I believe you stood in the gap for me. Today's the day I believe you stood in the gap for me. I believe. And if that's your prayer today, right from where you're seated, I invite you to raise your hand and let me celebrate. Today's the day. You said yes. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Anyone else say yes today? I believe you stood in the gap. I'm in. And Heavenly Father, would you please show us who we need to be praying for all summer long that you'll open their heart to be ready for that day that's coming. In Jesus' name, amen.